0: Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
2: And I'm Scott Galloway.
1: Uh, Let's get straight to the biggest TV event of the summer. Uh,
2: The season finale of Divorce?
1: No. No, nobody watches that. Who watches that?
2: People who have been divorced.
1: I've been divorced. I don't watch that show.
2: It's pretty good. Try again. Guy, what happened yesterday
1: Wings. in Washington D.C.? Yeah, yeah,
2: I know. But you know what freedom is? Bill Maher had the great term. He was talking about the happiest nations in the world. Seven of the ten of them are socialists. And it's not only happiness isn't about what you have; mm-hmm. it's also about your freedom from certain fears. And in these socialist countries, they free from the absence of knowing. Okay, your wife has lung cancer, which is awful. But then you have freedom from this fear. Well, that also means I'm going to be bankrupt. But the reason I bring this up is that a definition of freedom. In my view, as a week goes by, and you haven't thought about your leader, and I think about all these autocratic nations that are constantly (laughs) in their population's face all the time, and I think about the leaders I admire—Merkel, Thatcher, uh, Obama—and you know what? They all had in common—they weren't in our fucking face every day. We didn't have to think. I think Margaret Thatcher was. Margaret Thatcher? Oh no, not. There were uh, months would go by that you wouldn't have to think about (laughs) Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) Whereas (laughs) what is it literally with Trump? It's like my eight year old when he does an exercise and he just like, okay, he starts hitting his brother and and, you know, eating, you know, eating detergent and like, look at me, look (laughs) at me. Anyways. All right. Look at
1: Robert Mueller. Guess what? It was about Trump. I'm sorry to tell you, but there was important testimony, especially because according to the New York Times, quote, Mr. Mueller has made little secret of his belief that the public has not fully grasped the elaborate and targeted nature of Russia's attacks on the 2016 elections that were detailed in his report, nor has the government taken sufficient steps to address or prevent such an assault from occurring again. Amid all All the politics, to me, that was the critical
2: critical stuff. 100%. It was like, do do you know Gary Larson is, that cartoonist? And he talks about-
1: Uh, Yes, I do. What
2: you you say to dogs, ginger, go get the ball. Ginger, and what ginger hears, ginger, blah, 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 ginger, blah, blah, blah. And all I could hear was a bunch of blah, blah, except for two things. One, a guy who's been standing watch for our country for literally 50 years and who, very smart people from both sides of the aisle have decided we should keep this guy standing watch. He has probably- more respect, more credibility, more domain expertise than almost anyone trying to protect our country. And his opening statements were, look, folks, distinct to the politics that are about to unfold here. What the Russians have done here is one of the most concerning things I have seen, and all Americans should be very focused on it. And the second thing I heard was when Representative Buck asked him if the president could be prosecuted after he left office. And the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. Anyways, those are my two gingers.
1: Well, OK, let's talk about the Russians, because I think that's I just had a very long and interesting uh, podcast with Larry Diamond, who's written a book called Ill Wins, yeah. um about uh, the attacks by Russia and uh, the incursions by the Chinese and American complacency. Sure. One of the things that really struck me about the coverage of the Mueller hearings was not was exactly that. The last part of American complacency, everything was about whether he was addled. I think that was what many of the reporters were trying to get to. Is there something wrong with him from an age point of view? I think that's what they were. Driving at, and also Trump, you know, sort of doing a ridiculous uh, juvenile victory dance over it. Um, So it got pulled and mired into politics. When the real point is, the Russians are coming, and they're here, and they're still doing the same damage, no matter who they're voting for. Which is obviously Trump. Which 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 Mueller made very clear. uh, We've got to do something about this.
2: Yeah, I just I got so just personally, I found the term is I just found it so upsetting. I mean, Robert Mueller, or Director Mueller, seventy three. I hope I'm... Mm-hmm. He's
1: almost 75, actually.
2: He's 75? Okay, I, I hope yeah. I'm that... I hope I am that shaky when I am 75. I hope I am that... Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fact that they would find purchase in saying anything disparaging about that guy... You know, here are some questions they should have asked him. Were you voted best athlete in your high school across three different sports? <laughs> Were you, after your friend was killed in the Quang Tree province, did you decide to voluntarily enlist? Were you awarded the Medal of Valor? I mean, this guy was decorated, shot in the thigh, returned, was awarded a, a commendation for bravery after rescuing a platoon member in a firefight that wounded half of his staff and then returned to the nation to continue to serve. You know, Devin Nunes, Sean Hannity, Chris Wallace, who find purchase I and mean, critical in any way of Robert Mueller. Well, you know what? Captain Mueller has pieces of better men in his crap.
1: Okay, exactly. I don't know if he eats people, Scott, but you're right. But what was interesting is that it just got sucked. He got sucked right. I was thinking this morning this man who deserves a lot of honor has just been pulled down in the same ways. And, you know, I was watching Twitter about him and I was like – you know they were hoping that he would be the savior there was no there's no savior in this except for the warning message which he has, which is that we're getting played by the Russians essentially we're getting played by them beautifully, and we're even pulling down people like this so it was very uh, I felt sad and it was hugely upsetting. Time.
2: I had trouble even watching the thing. Let's get to something happier. I listened to your three podcasts <laughs> of the interviews of the presidential candidates. Yeah. And first mm-hmm. off, you're actually a fairly competent interviewer, I'll give you that. You actually you're pretty <laughs> good. I mean you still got some learning, yeah. but you're pretty good. Uh okay. so I'm gonna just give you a viewpoint. So one, uh you know, I walk away feeling the same way about Senator Bennett. If we're gonna kick this guy out, we ha the only way you replace a president kind of mid cycle or after one term is for something totally different. And in my view, mm-hmm. Michael Bennett represents that because he's Demonstrates brains, character, and empathy, of which are seem to have been starched <laughs> from the White House. But I just walked away yep. the same. I walked away from your podcast with Andrew Yang, uh, liking yep. him more. This guy, I thought you would. He is a clear I... blue flame thinker. I mean, that guy has some yep. interesting ideas, and unlike some of these other Yahoo's that have jumped into the race because you know they're they're billionaires and white. I think he's going to inject into the bloodstream some very interesting conversations around ideas that yep. we weren't talking about before. I learned a lot. Universal basic income, $3 trillion, but a trillion you. and a half is already being paid. He talks about the multiplier effect, the fact that it could free people up to start businesses, focus on their health, and that it would be a net economic benefit. I, it really got me thinking. So thank you for that. I, no problem. Shockingly, and Mayor Pete was kind of my number two, my sort of mistress in the waiting, if you will. Uh, I came away, (laughs) I liked Mayor Pete less. Uh, I thought he came across as a little bit awkward. I don't like this. um, I forget what it is. He's proposing something almost for reparations, an act to provide reparations to the um, black community. uh, I find that pandering uh, and political because the bottom line is the black community mm -hmm. has been slow to embrace the gay community or the LGBT community. So I found that a bit pandering and political. And I also think I worry that. Anything like that only uh, kind of fans the fuels of discrimination when we – affirmative – I think affirmative action should be income-based, not race-based, which gets to the same thing given that Latino and black households have an average wealth of 20,000 versus white households at 160. But anyways, I came away a little less impressed with Mayor Pete. Did you feel the same?
1: I did I did I thought he wasn't on his best I think he doesn't have as much a technology background so it was harder because it was focused on technology I think he was mixing up some stuff some concepts but definitely I think if he felt younger I, I don't know or less experience I, I really was struck by Andrew yang yeah. and the reason was I read his book and I thought these are some now look not everything he's done has been perfect his his fun that he's working on hasn't been as successful you know he's right. he's but he's trying out new ideas that are somewhat compelling and so what I wanted to get from is a lot of the coverage of him has been like Crazy Andrew with his, like, space mirrors, which, by the way, is not such a bad idea. Like, space mirrors is kind of a good idea. So they, like, try—I think the press, the political press at least, tries to paint him as this sort of wacky Silicon Valley outsider. And so my first line is, I've been here forever. I haven't seen you, so I don't know why they think that. I was trying to get at the media covering him. Like, he's a—and he's got some percentages. He's got one or two percent. I forget. He's got, like, a lot more than others. And some of his ideas about UBI is the—it's the smartest arguments I've heard around UBI as yet— so I wanted to get those out and sort of the concepts around innovation, which I thought was important. And I, I like it. I like him personally. I'm not so thrilled with his, his Yang gang. <laughs> I have to say they're a little bit abusive. Yeah. Like we didn't do a video of it. It's because it wasn't my event. I was there at a San Francisco place. And they, they have these conspiracy theories about why we videotape Mayor Pete over Andrew Yang. And it was just like redonk. Like they're a little bit like – T- twitchy on Twitter. Oh, well, let's be honest. Uh, the Yang Gang. I get, I get they love him, but well, come on. Let's, you know, let's, back the fuck
2: off, Let's dudes, be honest. Mayor Pete has better hair. That, that just equals video. <laughs> that just equals video. By the way, space Well, mirrors? I have all,
1: more coming, and you're going to be in one.
2: I can't wait. But wait, just a quick pause for a brief out on space what? mirrors. If you, ne- if you yeah. were going to try and meet the, just the incremental needs of energy consumption over the next 30 years with solar power, you would have to cover the surface of the Earth with solar panels. And you can do it mm-hmm. with like 140th in space with space mirrors because the ozone or the atmosphere doesn't screen out the power of the sun. So I think space mirrors are actually pretty cool. I'm sounding very it's Elon there, Musk. It's, right now. it's a
1: cool it idea. A it's cool the kind idea. of thinking we there need. There you go. I it's a think breakthrough a really- thinking. The breakthrough thinking. All right. Another thing, speaking of breakthrough thinking, is the immigration battles continue. But a a, a pro-immigration group called New American Economy says that immigrants and their kids founded 45 percent of the U.S. Fortune 500 companies. Fortune 500 company employees founded by immigrants and their children employ 1.3 million people. And the average employee employ 11 percent more people than the average Fortune 500 company with a non-immigrant founder. Um, These companies brought in $6.1 trillion in annual revenue last year. This anyone in Silicon Valley sees this? Like pretty much many 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 of the companies are founded by immigrants they have a heavy immigrant population working for them you know this this sort of this demonization of immigrants just continues nonstop
2: yeah i i get that but like all of these problems they're tough and they're nuanced and while we need a lot more legal immigration choking off all immigration um cauterizes innovation and in your ability to grow but too much integration, I actually think, leads to the rise of nationalism, because if you look at the kind of immigration mm-hmm. we have now, illegal immigration, the primary benefits are the immigrants and also rich people whose services, the majority of which wealthy people consume, goes down. And the people who've lost the most from illegal immigration have been lower middle class white Americans, and that leads to xenophobia and nationalism and to very bad things. And I actually mm-hmm. think that, unfortunately, and I, I've kind of come a little bit full circle, at I think we liberals sometimes have a knee-jerk reaction that, okay, all immigration is good, these people are saints, they should be let in, and we start demonizing the DHS. And I don't think that's Mm -hmm. fair. I think it's a much more complicated argument. I think, unfortunately, in 2015, good intentions around people with children were immediately granted entrance into the United States has led to wrong incentives where people are grabbing their kids and heading for the border. And if the asylum process takes so long that if someone melts into the general population, they could be here for years. And that leads to a lot of illegal immigration and a lot of controversy. I think this is a difficult problem. And in my sense is we need to stop, as liberals, immediately demonizing the DHS and what's going on at the border, because I, I think it's a difficult issue. I think the DHS, the, the acting head there, I actually watched him on 60 Minutes, and I think, you know, my sense is he's a decent person doing his level best.
1: Well I think it's hard to though. I mean look, first of all Trump got to Scott, that's obvious. But I think it's because of his language <laughs> no, so did. hateful. His it's, boss Putin got to me. Have, you've been replaced. Yeah. It's like uh it's, Don't
2: kid uh, yourself, Kara. I am all salsa, no chip. <laughs> Sorry, back to the border. Back to the border.
1: You're a Russian plant or a Chinese plant or a a GOP plant. I don't know. But one of the problems is that that it's gotten so ugly from the top of our country. That's why. You know what I mean? Of course, we should be able to have, you know, intelligent discussions about about how to do immigration properly. But it's made impossible by this lunatic doing the send her back things at those rallies. And, you know, I had a really interesting discussion on this week with Steve Huffman from Reddit, who addressed that issue quite a bit in terms of. The Donald on the site. And so he's put them under quarantine. Many people think they should get rid of the Donald, which is devoted to all things Trump, uh, because of their violent tendencies in, in the comments, and they're not policing it. And I said, well, what's going to go after quarantine? He said, well, if, if they stay the digital equivalent of what happened at that rallies, I think the outlook isn't very good for the Donald on Reddit, which was really quite something responsible for a tech person to say. It was really, I was surprised by it and also encouraged that he had a point of view and a decision-making apparatus in place.
2: Do you know how Reddit's so. doing? I'm kind of Fascinated. reddit's an example of something i I just never would have been a million years who thought of reddit it just seems to me so interesting i know this guy i know they did by the way i was a can and i love the fact that the founder of reddit got held out of this party that i got in i'm like wow tech billionaires have no (laughs) pull here but the big dog does they're letting him in with his ball (laughs) anyways what was
1: it like it was that guy O'Hanian, the one that's married to the
2: world's greatest tennis player in history uh serena williams He's married to her. Yeah, yes. That's it. it.
1: Well, Alexis. Alexis couldn't get in. He couldn't get in. He was
2: out there. I'm like, bro, can I help out? Uh, Can I help you? Do you need the pull and the cred of the prof? Is that what you need? Internet founder?
1: This was Steve Huffman, who's the other co founder. Uh, uh, Alexis Ohanian is one of them. But, you know, it's the idea. I think one of the things that I really was encouraged by was the idea not just that there is accountability for these sites, and that the way to scale it is to let people run their communities properly mm-hmm. and then monitor the communities because that could users scale users, essentially. And so if you have one main person like Mark Zuckerberg doing it, it really falls apart really quickly. You have a large community of people. His feeling was people in smaller groups tend to the good and try to create good communities. Anyway, it was a, it was a great well, discussion. It was a surprise. It's,
2: it's the wisdom of crowds that isn't fueled <laughs> by an algorithm that's trying to figure out more yep. engagement. And that is, I've always thought yep. that social media is nicotine, which is bad for you, but not terrible. It's addictive, but it's addictive like nicotine, but the delivery system, tobacco is what gives you cancer. And I've always thought social media is nicotine. In and among itself, it's addictive, but not that bad for you. What the tobacco or the shit that gives you cancer is advertising, specifically the algorithms to encourage more engagement, because unfortunately, tribal rage encourages more engagement. But if you look at, you know, what's a great example of what you're talking about in terms of the wisdom of crowds and self-policing of communities where there isn't an underlying rage machine through these algorithms to fuel more Chobani and Nissan ads is Wikipedia. I mean, technically mm-hmm. speaking, Wikipedia should have been weaponized. Technically speaking, Wikipedia should be a, uh, some sort of platform for voter suppression. But the community actually does a pretty good job of pursuing the truth and also recognizing when stuff is starting to to breach into uh, propaganda versus truth. So unfortunately, I think advertising ruins everything.
1: Advertising, that's your business though, isn't it?
2: And now a word from (laughs) ZipRecruiter.
1: I'm going to do that in a second. But (laughs) this is not the same. I'm not weaponizing by reading it. Um, Any other news you think this week?
2: So I have I have a question for you. And I wish I'd shown more leadership around this at the time because I thought about it and was asked about it. And like everyone else, I felt like I had to have a gag reflex and start vomiting liberal shit. But um, do you think Senator Al Franken should have resigned?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Was a, you're talking about this big story in The in the New Yorker yes. this week by uh, Jan Jane Mayer Jane yeah, about looking right. back at the people. Yes. Uh, I, I thought it was a really gripping read in terms of how bad a crowd can go, a mob really can yeah. go against someone. And by mob, I mean politicians in Washington. Yeah. I don't mean online because I think that was the very least of it. Um, it was a really interesting look at the fact that the person who accused him has is a very sketchy personality. And unfortunately, he hit at the exact wrong time at this sort of Me Too moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people got pulled into that. I think he probably should not have resigned. Yeah. I think it should have gone through the process. You know, the the Senate, whatever the process is for dealing with these kind of violations, and that would have been the best way. And he probably would have stayed in office. Would be my guess. You know, a little, maybe, perhaps, remove him from the Judiciary right. Committee or something like that, right. but not the full resignation. And I'm surprised he. Did so, and why you know why he did. so obviously he regretted it in this piece. But I think seven of the ten people who called for his resignation said they were wrong, which was interesting. well and you know
2: who kind of led the crusade, and now she's backtracking from that Gillibrand that's right. So she could launch her seven minute run for president, which she's about six minutes and fifty eight <laughs> seconds into. By the way, talk about someone well, talk about someone who brightens up a room by leaving it. Senator Gillibrand <laughs> is the least compelling senator in the United States Senate. I'm, I'm okay. literally, really? maybe Come with on, exception, maybe the, she's probably the least compelling person on the debate stage with the exception of de Blasio. You should run right. for president, said no one ever to the mayor here. Literally, <laughs> literally, I'm trying to find any individual in the city he oversees who suggested yeah. he should run for president. I think he just- You do
1: not like your mayor of oh New York. Um, wait, there's going to be debates this week. Are you going to watch them? What's oh, the, I'm hosting a, a debate like, party. Are you having a- where, where <laughs> Did that sound like, any tomorrow?
2: lamer? I'm bored just describing it. P- Professor is oh hosting a debate party. A party. Jesus Christ. That's pretty hard to what? sell. That as compelling. Oh, Why? my God. When are
1: these debates? Are they tomorrow? Uh, I don't know
2: when they're. Tomorrow- I think they're next tonight? week. Are they? Wait. No, wait. Should, when is it? I don't know when it is. Like soon. Yeah. Okay. The
1: debates are soon. Whenever it's they're happening, up. I'll be somewhere else. You know, I'm going up to Seattle this afternoon. I'm going to visit Microsoft.
2: For what? What shall
1: I tell the people of Microsoft? For what?
2: What are you at Softie for? The most valuable company in the world.
1: I'm going to go visit the CEO, et cetera. Sacha? You know. Oh, just people, so up there. people. Oh, up listen
2: up there. to you! Listen to you! <laughs> listen to the coy one. I get
1: invited in oh important places God. when I'm not oh chit chatting with you. Important people that. want to talk to me. Speaking of which, Megan Rapinoe will be uh, my 400th episode of Rico Decode how coming was up it? Monday. Was it a good I know interview? everyone's dying. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's friggin' fantastic. She's I don't even... E- what's the word beyond fantastic? She's smart. She's engaged. She's funny. She's disarming, as she said she is, and she's correct. If She she could do whatever she wants, obviously. Obviously, she's been super focused on kicking balls into nets, but uh, real, a real leader, I think, I think. Did I say I, really I ran
2: into it. her? I ran into her at the uh, Crosby Hotel. You, you did. You, and I could you not... Didn't, you, where were you? I was at the Crosby Hotel. It's kind of my cheers. It's where okay. I take everyone for coffee, and there's this right. there's this incredibly in shape woman with pink hair and i'm like my gosh who is that and i recognize that and the guy's yeah. like that's that famous soccer star i'm like that's Megan Rubino.
1: why didn't you say hello
2: because i was intimidated <laughs> there's no oh way i'm God. going up to what was i going to go up to hey i know kara swisher and you're, yes yeah. exactly yeah, that's exactly right that.
1: she actually when she showed up she said she was super nervous to be interviewed by me she was
2: yeah she was i scared. bet i bet she said oh it. my gosh she said it. yeah yeah anyway she's an inspiration she, this... she's incredibly impressive yeah. what do you think she's going to do next did you ask her that or do we have yes, to I did. It's all
1: in the podcast. And uh, she's not. she doesn't want to go into politics right now. I think that she could easily pivot into politics. Yeah. Um, but uh, she's writing a book. It just was announced. Uh, Ann Ganoff from Penguin is another well-known uh, gay woman um, in publishing, is going to publish this book of hers, which is going to be about a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but I think she'll probably do The Circuit. We'll see where she goes from there. She has a clothing business called Re-Ink, huh. which is a sort of gender-neutral clothing, I think. Like Neutral? Genutral? I-
2: Gen- yeah, it's the stuff you wear essentially <laughs> it's your clothes no no my style <laughs> so. my style can be best summarized as i surrender <laughs> I give, okay but in any case aging she's great. I'm, I'm going for the aging she, skateboarder look
1: i think she's in that zone yeah. and she mix and match and stuff like that anyway it's, it's an interesting thing she's going to do whatever she wants she's fantastic anyway we're going to take a quick break now so we can earn some money not just megan rapino can earn some money uh, but listen to that episode scott you'll really like it a lot
0: Grow your business in Slack. Visit Slack.com to get started.
1: All right, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Wins and fails. Wins and fails. I suspect I know what yours will be to this week. What? Do you, what tell me. Wow,
2: I'm curious. I don't think, I don't think you're going to guess either of them, or maybe you will. Uh, do you want a fail or a win?
1: I would like a fail to start with.
2: So my fail is more information regarding the actual settlement behind the $5 billion FTC fine against Facebook. Granted, they thought, you know, you can see the narrative there. This is the biggest fine ever, beating their chest. But the reality is they've become a co-conspirator in what is supposed to be a countervailing force in private power. And one of the elements of the settlement that no one seems to be reporting on is that part of the agreement is the FTC has agreed to indemnify Facebook against all activities previous to June 19th. So look at it this way. Imagine the FTC was an insurance company and Facebook was an individual worth $573 billion. And the insurance company showed up to the individual and said, you know what? I can issue you an umbrella insurance policy. And there are the umbrella insurance policies. Rich people buy them. Anything bad happens to me, someone slips and falls. I get prosecuted for something and you cover all the costs just so I can sleep better at night because I'm rich and who knows what can happen. And people come after, quite frankly, are rich Mm -hmm. people. So any person worth $573 billion that an insurance agency called the FTC would give them for $5 billion and 1% of their net worth would hit that bid. So the FTC has become an insurance mm-hmm. policy or an insurance provider offering their customer, Facebook, a great deal. This was high fives. So what would that
1: do? What would it do? Indemnify them for what?
2: It means that if, if the FTC, if all of a sudden we find out the Cambridge Analytica was a walk in the park, and that Facebook was doing much worse things. The, the FTC can't go after Facebook; they yeah. indemnified them. They've, they've basically been given immunity almost from anything that they've done up Once until again. now. It really is um, disheartening. And uh, anyway, so my lose, my lose again is this element: the indemnification of Facebook from previous acts of negligence or illegal behavior issued by the FTC. The headline that kind of summarizes all of this is: Facebook fined five billion dollars but does not have to admit to any wrongdoing.
1: I mean, that kind of... Right, and and doesn't really have to do anything that gets in the way of their ability to generate revenue. That's right. Nothing that much. Nothing
2: at all. And back to our prediction, that mm-hmm. stock's going up. It's so, going to 250 bucks.
1: 250 bucks. All right, what do you think make of the FTC then releasing the, a Facebook doing this, which I think was just scammy, that the FTC is going to investigate them for antitrust? I don't think they really are, but the DOJ... Did say that. that. Is that a win then with Macon Rahim who is the head of the antitrust division of the Justice Department? Without the discipline of meaningful market-based competition, digital platforms may act in ways that are not responsive to customer demands. The department's antitrust review will explore these important issues. And without naming names, they, were, they weren't talking about Apple. I think it was Google, Facebook, and um, Amazon.
2: Yeah, look, the beginning of the end of these companies, as we know them, is happening. The, the beginning of the breakup has commenced. It may take years but it has commenced. And this goes, I'm going to skip forward to a prediction and I'll come back and ask you your wins and fails. But my prediction is that these companies are much more nimble and quite frankly, very intelligent. And I think we're going to see the breakup start prophylactically. And one of these companies, Amazon, Facebook, or Google, most likely Amazon with AWS is going to spin one of their divisions prophylactically by the end of the year as a means of staving so off
1: So spin it, just do it. Which one? Well, the, All right, that's the most obvious one
2: it. we've talked about this is AWS, which on the spin would be one of the most 10 most valuable companies in the world, but it could be who knows, it could be Facebook and WhatsApp. It could it could be YouTube being spun, who knows. But we're mm-hmm. going to see a spin. YouTube. We're going to spin. I'm going to go for you YouTube, like YouTube because
1: I, don't, I I've interviewed the Amazon CEO he says of no, AWS right? and he keeps saying no and I and he's not much of a liar, so. Well, it's not up to him. Very Strong leasing. There's that. only
2: one person that gets to decide that.
1: Oh, and by the way, I know
2: that. By the way, I love this. Uh, did you hear this? Did you see this? That Amazon, despite the fact they were chased <laughs> out of New York, has is investigating being the largest customer of WeWork in New York. They're <laughs> talking about uh, leasing from WeWork a five or 10,000 strong person office here in New York. So, again, worst poker players in the world. Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio, who didn't need to offer Jeff Bezos anything uh, to come to New York. He's come to New York. He's purchased a $60 million apartment, and they are hiring like crazy here with zero subsidies. So the way I see it is New York taxpayers, because of the leadership of city councilman Michael Gianaros, this councilman who just said, no, this is bad, instead of New York's taxpayers having to subsidize Jeff Bezos, move to New York, it's going to be SoftBank subsidizing it through WeWork, which is a train wreck we wreck by the way <laughs> my brain is literally i can't stop it right now what did you think adam newman has sold 700 million dollars in stock
1: i don't think a lot of it oh I think my god i've asked many people about that's this the mother
2: my of my all interest. sell signals
1: seriously yeah yeah
2: no you buy my stock but i'm gonna sell 700 million dollars worth
1: that's a lot. I think I interviewed two VCs this week and both of them were like, that's, that's crazy. crazy. They said it in a nicer way, but they were like, that seems problematic.
2: Yeah. You know? I thought he was Argentinian because he's so handsome. He's actually Israeli. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah.
1: So what is the sign that that brings? 750 million. Because they were talking about like giving a couple million dollars to people to buy homes yeah. and stuff like that. Well, this is a well, lot. Well, this
2: is this is "quote unquote" our learning more moment. So, secondary sales and it, it, a lot has changed. Let's go big picture here. Let's go big picture. All right. Okay, like okay. on okay. heroin. Yeah. So, in the '90s, entrepreneurs were seen as crazy, and we were necessarily evil, and we got kicked out until Bill Gates built a company to a hundred billion, and Steve Jobs, after being kicked out for "quote unquote" the gray hairs, came back and then set a company on on a chart to become the most valuable company in the world. All of a sudden, entrepreneurs become key DNA, and now we have too much credit. And part of VCs differentiating themselves or their term sheets when they try and finance a small company is they say, you can take some money off the table. I did a secondary sale at L2. When we raised money, we didn't need that much. The VCs wanted to put more capital to work. But this is what we did. It wasn't so much money that we could say to somebody, well, I'm clearly not interested in this company, but it was enough money to diversify, take some chips off the table. And what the CEO of L2, that's right, the big dog, Said to all his employees, (laughs) What
1: did you take out?
2: To all his employees, is we can all sell exactly 17% of our vested shares. And my question to all WeWork employees is the following with equity, did Adam Newman offer you the same opportunity to sell the exact same proportion? of your shares that he sold, because there is some validity to the notion that the innovation economy is a conspiracy between the investors and the CEOs. So we work employees, were you able to sell shares and diversify and buy real estate as your CEO, Adam Newman, who tells you to show up every morning and work your ass off because he believes in a great future of a company where 700 million times he has decided to get the fuck out of Dodge and sell.
1: Yeah, it's a lot
2: of money. It's a lot of, it's a that's a lot, lot of cabbage, money. It shouldn't Tara.
1: even be – they shouldn't have those numbers. That's It's a crazy amount of sale. It just – it calls attention to itself. It makes people scrutinize the business plan, of which you have scrutinized many times. It's just, it just gives tech a bad name. And it, they did it before Groupon. Remember the Groupon yeah. sale? There was one. You know how that ended.
2: Yeah, not well. Not well. Not well. Not well. So you're – Not you're well. How much did fail? you take out? I,
1: how much, is that for that nice apartment that you have? You take out a lot of money?
2: Uh, for – you mean when I took out out of L2? What do you mean? Yeah. I, I did a secondary sale, and then we sold the company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. But I, I think it's fine to do that on some level, but it, it been in the massive amounts. Um, I would say I was really enjoyed, as I said, this interview with uh, Steve Huffman, and I really enjoyed him talking about the thing I talked about. But he also, when I interviewed him, we're going to play a little clip, uh, I asked him about what he thought about the inquiry, the, the DOJ inquiry, and what he'd like to see in the way of tech regulation. And here is what he said.
2: Would I love to see the government, like, F our largest competitors?
1: But yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, sure yeah that'd be great. That'd be amazing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay,
1: that's the best answer I've gotten
2: for a long time. Um, look, I, 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 look, There's it's a conversation. So they're going to F, F your in.
1: largest competitors, but go ahead. Um,
2: and I, honestly, I hope they do it for the right reasons.
1: Okay. I thought that was really smart. I think the right reasons were you don't do it because it's a partisan thing yeah. and that you do it carefully and thought out, not just because you, you know, you're Ted Cruz and you think there's some conspiracy against conservative voices, but they do it in a smart way in order to promote innovation and do the proper kinds of regulation. Because companies like, uh, Steve was making the really good point, I think he was super smart about it, that, you know, here's Facebook not able to handle its content problems and they're quantumly smaller and they're starting to handle them or trying to get a handle on them so i think he was trying to go against the argument that these too big to fail idea which is i think what big companies are promoting is just so much bullshit and so i really enjoyed that i thought that was a real win to think about it that way and i hope people in in washington understand how to do it correctly i'm not sure they can do it in this mental state you know i mean that they're in in washington with the partisanship that's a win okay a fail this week there's so many things, just these hearings. Yeah. I just think it didn't get through what needed to get through, which are the critical things. And we are going to continue to, it just feels like this one upmanship with these idiot tweets back and forth. And it gives people a sense that, you know, you're sort of in an endless game of like Star Wars, an endless movie of Loop Star Wars, and Darth Vader keeps winning. And so I think it takes the energy out of people for fresh new ideas. Um so I think that's uh, that's the problem I feel some days you know like you said waking up I don't want to hear about dear leader anymore I want to just leader. do something good.
2: Yeah so my win you know. is um Jane Meyer this piece in the New Yorker and I think it hopefully has catalyzed the important conversation we need to have around calibration around this issue. I was on Yahoo mm-hmm. Finance last week and they had pictures and it said scandal And they put up pictures of all these CEOs who had been um, forced to resign. And one of them had been guilty of a consensual relationship with a woman who worked at a vendor, which was inappropriate. He Mm -hmm. didn't disclose it. Conflict of interest. He was fired. And another CEO on the screen was inviting women into his office and then attacking them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a difference. There's a difference. And I feel as if we're finally starting. And also… You know, it's really – Democrats, we never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Who do you think the most effective voice against Donald Trump is right now in the Democratic Party?
1: Oh, I don't know. There's different ones. Different people are at different times. Um, Who's the most effective? Uh, Nobody. (laughs) Nobody. Nobody. I think
2: Al Franken would be the most effective voice against Donald Trump right now. And what have we done – We had a guy who I don't know what he did, if he played grab ass, if he didn't, if he should be stripped of his committee or not. Clearly, there was some inappropriate behavior. But the most effective voice against a guy who's been accused 21 separate times, 21 separate times, we have taken him out of circulation. And it's just what on earth are we Democrats thinking removing Al Franken? What on earth were we thinking? I just it's a talk about. Idiocy. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot and then sticking your gun in the mouth. Anyways, my win is Jane Mayer and for her article in The New Yorker, I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a really thoughtful piece.
1: I was talking to the editor of Recode this week. Going back to stories is always like, did it really happen that way? And really doing a smart later take is something journalists don't do enough. But I thought that was perfect. And Jane has done a lot of really amazing reporting on me too. Also, yep. right by the way, FYI. And yeah. so has the New Yorker around the 100%. very serious behaviors by um, Harvey Weinstein and everybody else. Uh, you know, Ronan Farrow did a whole bunch of that. So anyway, uh, so I like. I agree with you. That was a great piece. Now, prediction, Scott. You sort of made one, but you were right. Twice. You were right twice. Go Why don't you on. tell us how, you, how right go you are? I'm sorry. Same <laughs> more. First of all,
2: same more. Go ahead.
1: First of all, Lion King made almost $600 million worldwide so far, even though it looks pretty creepy. Uh, Disney is review proof, as you said. So no, that is that correct.
2: What's the other the one? The other one was the gangster prediction. Let's pause for a moment. Yeah. What did the big dog mm-hmm. well, The big dog is more thoughtful. The big dog just doesn't jump yeah. on the counter and eat that cupcake. He thinks.
1: You're geopolitical, That's Scott. That's right. You're
2: geopolitical. Can we roll tape? So let's go. It's difficult to. Um, it could be anything. It could be Russia deciding to, like, "quote unquote," do a soft invasion of one of their neighbors. It could be another missile being launched by North Korea, another test. It could be the Iranians spinning up their uranium again. I mean, all sorts of stuff. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Canada. I'm pretty <laughs> sure <laughs> Justin, it's not going to be. Justin Trudeau's
1: not doing so well. Out there, he might need something.
2: Yeah, that guys. That guy. I don't know. That guy's great. Yeah. I anyway, he might guy. need to do something. Yeah.
1: Might need to make some some take flags. over
2: Minnesota. That's <laughs> <Dance> it. <laughs> Minneapolis is ours. Tomorrow belongs (laughs) to me. God, That's God. right. So How North have Korea to
1: throw a Nazi, there Justin Trudeau in Minnesota well, in one statement. The Canadians are I coming. I Sean
2: Mendes is coming to the Barclay Center and he has me and my eight year old under a trance. That's a soft invasion. That's Putin coming to the Ukraine. Sean Mendes. On All right. Tour. There's no
1: Canadian troops in Minnesota right now that but we know we, of. But, you know, of, bingo right? on this. Bingo.
2: One of the predictions we said was that North Korea could launch missiles, two missiles launched. It's only going to get worse.
1: And who was in Korea at the t- South Korea at the time? I don't know. National Security Advisor John Bolton, oh my gosh. who has been you know, about, saying "Don't cooperate with talk these about
2: waving yeah. the middle finger in the face of the U.S." Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, people sense weakness, and more to come. But my prediction was for this week. Prediction was uh, by the end of 2019, we're going to see a spin, a large spin of a company that will be one of the 20, if not one of the 10 most valuable companies in the world. Right. You're not going to be more
1: specific because that's like a real wide one. That's like saying someday you probably will die of a heart attack, something like that. Give me a larger – give me a specific one. I say it would be YouTube. What do you say?
2: Sarah, that hurts my feelings. That okay, hurts well, my feelings. I want, the,
1: I want, the, I want a uh, name. AWS. I want a name.
2: AWS. Regardless of what your your pal says. By the way, he has no input. Is that my pal? Well, Andy Jassy. What? Regardless of what Andy Jassy says, I think AWS is going to be spun. All
1: right. I'm going to go with YouTube. All right? So let's see what happens. Nice. There'll probably be something over nice. at Facebook. I but like we'll it. see. No, he's integrating the companies together so you can't pull them apart. He's like stitching them at together Facebook? with really... Yeah.
2: yeah, they're encrypting it. And he I think he's genuinely a sociopath and doesn't think he thinks he's immune from any sort of scrutiny. I don't think he's worried at all.
1: Well, he did give a speech saying, now, now we are accountable. He oh, said yeah. To his
2: troops oh, week. yeah. That, that showed him. That showed him seven weeks of cash flow. Oh, my gosh. He must be <laughs> reeling. Do you realize the stock went up $8 billion in value the day that fine was announced? Oh, I've just. The Empire Strikes Back. I've had it. I'm going to. That's it. I'm using Instagram for four hours, not five today. I've had it. I've had it.
1: I put a picture. I put a Megan Rapinoe picture on Instagram. I haven't been on there for six, eight months. And I did.
2: Really? I just had to. You had to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to. (laughs) I'm actually going to listen to that podcast. I'm gonna you should you know.
1: it's Monday. you'll love it she's yeah. a lot of fun she's very fun she tried really hard not to curse in front of there's a lot of children there uh there it was an event and there was a lot of people brought their kids and he tried might I me too I tried mightily not to curse it and we both failed at yeah. that but otherwise, yeah, we I mean, lesbians are a pretty tough crew. It's really we're doing rather well. Anyway, we've got to go. I was sent a Jeff Bezos doll this week. I don't know why, but it arrived at my house along with a small robot. So I'm going to go play with that right now. Anyway, but I'm only using. That I got the because... same
2: one. Did it, I got someone sent me the same one. The one who looks really buff and he's like in a down vest. Yeah. And he has going, a robot I think it's dog. probably
1: a listening device yeah. that we have is now in our home. That's what I think is happening. Jeff Bezos is listening via his voodoo doll device.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That guy's jacked. That guy's definitely yeah. like. Oh, another billion, another cycle of Android or whatever the athletes yeah. say. Anyways, Kara, yeah. where are you going to be this but week?
1: Anyway, I want you to listen to Jason Del Rey's new Amazon podcast called Land of the Giants. You oh,
2: he's it? the guy who wrote the four, right? Oh, no, that was me. Thanks for asking me <laughs> to host that fucking podcast. Yeah, Jason. You know what? We'll Jason Del, one. We'll who give gives one. a shit?
1: Which one do you want? You get have Facebook. We'll Del figure Ray. it out. What
2: does he have other than credibility, looks, and journalistic integrity? Write a book. Okay. <laughs> Write a book and then call right. me about you Big You can tech.
1: host one if you want. It's a very hard yeah, job. You'd have to work I know, and, stuff and we're like grabbing that, dinner you know, just and we're going to interview
2: a candidate. It's, tease, tease, tease.
1: He has lots of great interviews. He interviewed uh, Mary Meeker. He interviewed lots of people. It's going to be great. He did yeah, interviews okay. with people. You've heard of those. And I'm going to bring you, I promise you, I'm going to bring you into a presidential thing. So... I'm, I'm working on them. I think we've got a lot of them. So I'm going to send you an, a text on the choices that you have, and you have to show up and do the interview with me. All that right?
2: could be literally one of the weakest flexes in the world. I could end up in a room with like self-help guru, Tulsi Gabriel, whatever the hell her name <laughs> is. And she Dabber. could talk to me. She could talk to me about my anger. And I'm sitting there like, hold me, Tulsi. <laughs> well, you have, Tulsi, like, Tulsi. you have
1: selected Biden if we get him. It's not out of the question. Uh, who yeah. else? Who do you want do you, do you say, say, say Papa you
2: Joe. I'm definitely going to turn around and kiss him on the back of his head and say, you should take this gesture within the intention it was given, to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't you touch? You are not to touch no, not any to touch president, president, Democratic presidential <laughs> candidate, with your body in any way. Okay, yeah, that's no. going to be the rule of interviews. I am too
2: insecure for affection. You will not. I am touch too them, insecure you for affection. Not Hug
1: them. You could admire their hair if you'd like, but only verbally. Yeah. Okay? okay. We have rules at Vox Media, and that I'm is taking one affection
2: book. back here. Seriously, I think there's something around males taking affection back. That in our society, males yeah, who are affectionate. We're seen as one, either using it as a vehicle to get sex or that it it expresses some sort of homosexual tendencies, which isn't a bad thing. But you know what? I think men should take affection back. I think affection is a wonderful thing. Take it back? We're not allowed to be affectionate anymore. We are not allowed to be affectionate. Oh, stop. The men are victims.
1: I listen. I was just with my 14-year-old son. It's the same thing. Men are victims. I got it. I got the news. Not mm, so. Let's take it back. Not happening.
2: Let's take it back. I can't no. wait to see you and hug you. Okay. I cannot wait to see you and hug you, Kara. We're going to kiss And gonna, kiss the, the back 20. of that beautiful black don't you hair.
1: Touch my hair. Oh, I'm my just...
2: God. That Megan Rapinoe hair. You have definitely got to dye it pink.
1: I'm going to have Meg. You know, if you did that to her, you know what would happen to you. You'd get a kick, a very oh, strong I would, kick. I would be way too weird.
2: intimidated. You should you definitely dye your hair pink. I'm not dying. That would be pink. so awesome. No. No? no. no? Why
1: don't you dye your it, hair pink? ha. <laughs>
2: Oh, go on. On that note, go I'm going to go. On. Today's show right, was
1: produced by Camila Salazar and Eric Johnson. Nishat Kurwa is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Eric Anderson, Rebecca Castro, and Drew Burroughs. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts if you like this week's episode leave us a review. If you have any suggestions for what you want to hear uh, us talk about on the future show, send us an email, pivot at voxmedia.com. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things